no matter what your opinions or your feelings are, eventually we will have to come out of quarantine. Eventually we will have to be able to live with what's now called as the new normal. What is to expect with the life in the new normal? Well, there needs to be a public health plan. It's a very tricky situation where we need to get used to it. And protocols and physical distancing needs to be uh, adhered to diligently. Hi, I'm Tanya, and you're listening to Janda Batanda. As my fair city Jakarta reopens for activity post-COVID-19 restrictions, there are many questions regarding health and safety in public places. This pandemic has undoubtedly affected each living soul on the planet in one way or another. So much so that there is no returning to the lives we once knew and had. What is the future for our children, our elders, our livelihoods? Here on episode 33, and to answer some of those questions, is the director of Jakarta's Royal Sports Medicine, whose clinic is one of the pioneers in establishing health and safety protocols for businesses in the country. I wanted to hear her views as a doctor, a concerned parent, and a business owner on what's to expect ahead in what we now know as the new normal. Without further ado, I present to you Dr. Sophia Hache. Welcome to the show, Jenna um, Batanda. Today we have a very special guest. We have Dr. Sophia Hache. The reason why I want to have Dr. Sophia today because we are now in Jakarta on our 10th week of PSBB or, or quarantine. Yeah. And there's many talks of loosening the lockdown, coming out of it, not coming out of it. It's, it's such a polarizing issue. Mm. No matter what your opinions or your feelings are, eventually we will have to come out of quarantine. Eventually we will have to be able to live with what's now called as the new normal. What is to expect with the life in the new normal? That's the primary question that I'd like to have. A warm welcome again to Dr. Sophia Hache. Hi, <laughs> thank you so much for having me. So what is expected in the new normal? I guess what will be of most important is the health protocol, the hygiene protocol. And I was just talking about this uh, with a colleague friend of mine who's also a doctor. And we were, we were discussing about how for us medical doctors, it is a part of uh, our norm when we're practicing, whether it's in a hospital or whether it's in a clinic, to always prioritize safety and hygiene. And that includes wearing medical gloves, washing your hands. And in fact, in every room, the doctor's consultation room, there has to be a sink so that you can wash your hands before you touch a patient and after you touch a patient. So... In a way, I think it's about bringing that kind of hygiene level to mm-hmm. our daily life, where it's not only in a healthcare facility that you see hand sanitizers, where you wash your hands often. In that aspect, now we are adding the masks, uh, where mm-hmm. it's compulsory for everybody to wear a mask. So I guess it's bringing that kind of health protocol and sanitation level into our daily life. I guess that's the challenge, because at a certain level, who's going to control it? In, in terms of implementation, how are we making sure that those protocols are repeated well? Right. Is it just that though, Doc? Is it just washing your hands and is it just wear a mask in public and just be mindful and bringing that clinical level of cleanliness to non-clinical settings? Is it just that that's the answer? And no, then like, that's not the only answer. That's one of the most important aspects of it. Um, and something yeah. that we can, I guess, something that we can control in a way, right? Because I believe that in terms of 
where our country is right now, it's very easy for us to feel helpless or hopeless. But there are certain things that you can control. So that's one of the most important thing. And the second is to, as much as you can, to be physically distant or socially distanced uh, in a way that wherever you are, whether it's in a public place or in a, in a workplace setting, that you can still be in round proximity, around one to two meters away from another person. Now, in this aspect, it then becomes important for the workplace situation or the workplace policy to be able to uh, accommodate a limited amount of people in a closed room. Because in terms of risk in the environment, there's low risk, moderate risk, and high risk. So opening up schools in July in the situation where one, we don't have a vaccine yet. Two, even we look at curves, uh, the positive number of cases are not really going down is a nightmare for the kids and also for our parents. Right. Well, one, they can get sick and or even if, if they don't get sick, they can become carriers. So, so there's a lot of things as we progress into this pandemic situation that the doctors themselves are revising and their discoveries are affecting policy, obviously. Um, so... And as you mentioned about also recently, there was a, a statement from Department of Nidikan whether the school's going to open, reopen in July. Um, yeah, so a lot of conflicting news saying, mm. yes, um, academic year can begin again in July, but does not mean that the children return physically to school. Yeah. So, it's, and then some of the arguments saying, well, better that you postpone the academic year by one full year. Um, a lot of parents are up in arms about also their children losing one academic year. Uh, it's interesting because a lot of things become moot at this point. Yeah. You know, What is a, a university degree or like mm -hmm. in terms of like your schedule of a timeline for graduating by a certain date? If you may, you know, like if you run the risk of becoming sick and uh, I, I don't know. I mean, that's that's a larger conversation possibly yeah. that we can take in, in, in this um, in this interview, but certainly it's uh, noteworthy that there's a lot of repercussions of uh, the lockdown. Mm -hmm. the lockdown. How do we deal with the pandemic, which is the discussion of what is the new normal? Kalau PSBB terkait Corona, gue emang nggak sengaja nggak mau bikin apa apa karena karena gue di tengah-tengah sebetulnya. 50-50. Setengah teman-teman gue percaya konspirasi, setengah teman-teman gue enggak. You are still listening to Janda Bercanda. That was Agan Harahap, Indonesia's digital artist famous for his controversial political satires. He joins Janda Bercanda in the next episode 34 to share his secret ingredient for thinking out of the box, which, in my opinion, is a critical life skill for any Janda Bercanda followers. Now let's get back to our current episode. What is the new normal, right? Yeah, so um, the tricky part with Indonesia is that because we're we're already in the middle of it and um, mm -hmm. um, our mistakes uh, has started since the beginning of the pandemic because if other countries have a pandemic curve or an epidemiology curve where you can assess and you can uh, really look into the data and um, take uh, note of uh, policies or actions that needed to be taken uh, from the curve. Unfortunately, uh, we don't have that kind of data. 
our data is not rigorous enough or even, I think, large enough for us to actually look into the curve and say, this is where we are right now and this is the policies that we're going to take. Because of this alarming situation right now that we, we really cannot rely on the data that we have right now, then the actions that are being considered is then based on what? That is, I think that is the number one concern for, um, for scientists and um, data analysts uh, and especially healthcare uh, professionals that are now looking at our country's policies. Because um, as much as we understand that our country uh, cannot be on lockdown because of the economic uh, implications and stuff like that, well, there needs to be a public health plan or even policies that are based on data and situations where we are right now. So I think personally, as a healthcare professional, because I get this question a lot as well from friends, like, what do you, what do you do? Like, what do we do? Do we go on lockdown? When, when does this end? It's really hard to answer those questions because one, I don't think anybody has the answers right now of when this is going to end. And two, it's very hard because again, we don't have a pool of data that we can trust. So at a certain level, yes, it can be very easy for us to feel helpless and hopeless, but at the other end of it, then what can we do as a community or as, as a person uh, individually? And I guess in a way, Indonesia has always been in that sense, very proactive. Like if the government <laughs> is not present, we'll do something about it. <laughs> and so in, in a way it's good, but the other opposing factor, it's a little bit concerned that we actually have to be proactive in certain of our daily yeah. life. Well, I guess in the perfect world, we'd have better data sets. Yeah. In a perfect world, we'd have more knowledge and more uh, measure of what's happening. But it is what it is. We can criticize all day long, but the fact is we have to make policies or the government has to make policies based on what data that they have available. Whether they, ha whether they know more than they are letting on, that's also one thing, mm -hmm. um, because we also don't know whether it's the full picture that they know. I mean, maybe it's like the the real truth is like, oh my God, it's so bad. Like, <laughs> you better not know, okay? <laughs> what Ahmad Yolanda comes up every every afternoon at 5 p.m., that's all you want to know, okay? <laughs> that's all that's good for you to know is that. And uh, possibly we don't know that too, right? So maybe... Mm -hmm. uh, they could be possibly operating on, on higher intelligence than we give them credit for. Even if it's not the case, and this is all the data that we have, and then so what? Hmm. Right? The adaptation of, into a, a, this problem that we have collectively as a group of people, that's the more important conversation that we need to have. Because as you mentioned, where there are gaps in policy, society will come up with a plug on Yep. how to respond to those issues. For example, at the beginning of the pandemic, there was a shortage of um, APD, the protective gear for the healthcare workers. Public responded in kind by giving donations, doing makeshift gears, yep. creating alternative solutions for that. I think there's always room for responding in the right way. And I think that's, for me, I tend to stay away from, well, the government's not doing enough in X. Well, okay, so if we've identified the areas of opportunities and the gaps where we feel like there's lacking, so how do we respond to those exactly. things? 
how do we um, troubleshoot? How do we problem solve? So we have a big problem with uh, workforce going back to work. People, we got to make money. I mean, don't you have bills? I have bills. Yeah. <laughs> That's why we need to, then we need to know what we can do in our daily life to actually right. then start operating or start, well, living your life, basically. And to that's a certain right. degree, that's where the rigorous hygiene protocols, that's where, you know, you bring your own set of utensils, you bring, you know, in a way, it's, it's good for the environment. <laughs> you don't rely on things that is generally Generally, uh, for public use, and you just bring your own and stuff like that. So it's a very uh, tricky situation where we need to get used to it, and the the protocols and the physical distancing needs to be adhered to diligently. Right. So you feel optimistic, hesitant, uh, cautious. What's your mood? What's your sentiment? <laughs> well, definitely cautious. I think it's not uh, it's not a brooding mood. I guess it's not a depressive mood because we know the steps that we at least some of the steps that we need to do uh, it's not like we have no clue whatsoever what to do and in that aspect there is hope <laughs> because then you're not helpless you know the things that you can do you know the things that you can control and you do that in terms of going back to the workplace situation on top of the hygiene protocol us as a clinic we're also talking to a lot of companies uh, right now that is looking into rapid testing so that now we see the possibility of you know if it's usually it's like a medical checkup once a year now maybe until there's a vaccine there's going to be rapid testing every two weeks for employees <laughs> and that's going to be the new norm because if you don't uh if you don't show up with a negative rapid test you can be a carrier right so in that mm -hmm. sense you look at it in what role you play in the community or in the society if if uh, if you're a family member, you look at it um, as, a, you know, there's a hygiene protocol before entering the house. And then if you're an employer, um, what kind of health procedures, protocols, or security level that you need to give your employees. You're somebody who's part of the workplace area as an employee, what can you do to mitigate the infection um, at the workplace? So in that sense, you look at it in the roles that you play in the society and you do what you can. Okay. There's a lot there to, to absorb and to take in because the implication, the onus is on business owners, create the uh, protocol sets and then adhere to them. There's no real hard set. I mean, who's monitoring it? I mean, who's the level of enforcement for new rule sets? Mm -hmm. It's absolutely voluntary. It's an added cost for uh, the business owner obviously yeah so these are a lot of ongoing discussions of what's the right new normal for business owners and employees alike because that's a two-way relationship the employees also might demand it from the business owners hey you know demand the safer work protocols in the workplace but at the same time to what extent is it the responsibility of the business owner to make sure all these things are are being implemented so that's one uh, and that definitely will impact the, the success of businesses, right? Now, imagine if you're like an F&B owner right now, right? You're, you're, you have to pay a rent on your restaurants that have been empty for the last 10 weeks. Mm -hmm. um, so basically, you're essentially just a kitchen, if that, and uh, we have to market. So there's a, a new and creative way of advertising and promoting your services. And... For consumers like us, I mean, yeah, we want to get out of the house, but also sitting in a restaurant right now, mm. 
that's no different than going to a buffet line it, for me because that's, that poses the same danger. Yeah. Or just adopt the mentality that, you know, infect and infect quickly across the public. I guess this is what's sort of what's being hinted as the herd immunity. Yeah. Apa sih terjemahannya herd immunity, Doc? Uh-huh. Yeah, so um, herd immunity is basically a situation why, where the virus is present, but uh-huh. 70 to 60 to 70% is already immune to it. Now, this is only possible if 70 to 80% of the population already has it or is already vaccinated. That is why the use of the term herd immunity is, personally as a healthcare professional, I don't really like to use because it implies that either everybody has it or there is already a vaccine, right? But we know that the vaccine is not going to be there at least in the next 12 to 18 months. In a situation where it's like in Indonesia, where we're now learning to accept and adapt to the new normal, using the term herd immunity is, I think, a little bit inappropriate. Because what we want is we still want the infection to be mitigated. We do not want 70 to 80% of the population gets it. But we want the infection curve to not be as high, right? So that the healthcare facility can actually be present for those who has infection or who requires care, even critical care. Now, that's the problem where I think I avoid the use of herd immunity and tend to use this term of new normal, where we know that there is no going back. There is, no, there is no way we're going to be going to malls and watch a movie in a cinema. <laughs> and there is no way uh, in the near future uh, we're going to be able to go to concerts the way we, we used mm-hmm. to do know <laughs> concerts. Um, so yeah. there's definitely uh, going to be a lot of changes and using this term new normal means we need to change and adapt and that's how we're going to survive as a community to use the term herd immunity for me is like letting the virus spread out when in fact that's not what we want even in the new normal situation so so don't infect and infect quickly yeah, because don't infect and don't infect quickly. you don't know what you're talking about when you're asking for, for trouble it is inviting trouble isn't it like it's asking for, for um yeah a huge catastrophe. It's such a polarizing subject that we're going to have people on all sorts of spectrum saying from, you know, flatten the curve, don't, you know, let's let's kill this virus or, and then all the way to infect and infect quickly. Um, so we'll see who wins out because mm-hmm. we're in Jakarta. So it seems like majority of people are observant. Yeah, I say that because it seems quieter in the city from where I sit in my home mm-hmm. or every once in a while when I go grocery shopping, it seems much quieter. Although not at the grocery store itself, the yes. grocery store is busy. In fact, Grand Lucky in uh, SCBD, that if you want to get sick, that's one place to go. And, um, <laughs> Grand Lucky, I love you. You have all the things and I love you. I'm grateful for you, but it, it is jam-packed in there. Yeah, We need to figure out maybe there is a rotation system mm-hmm. like maybe 50 people at a time into Grand Lucky at any given time and somebody counts the number of people that are in the supermarket and maybe you time them the number of 
amount of time that they can be in there. These are my suggestions, Grand Lucky, again. Um, <laughs> well, you know, rest, yeah, rest assured, we're actually now talking to Grand Lucky <laughs> for the health protocol side. So they're actually reaching okay. out and we're actually talking to Grand Lucky. Are you really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So Royal Sports uh, Performance Center and Royal Progress Hospital is actually now working together with Grand Lucky for them to start implementing health protocols and certain uh, physical distancing protocols in their supermarket. <laughs> You're the first to hear this. <laughs> no, you hear me. Love you, Grand Lucky. And that's one. I mean, yeah, so there's just a, a lot of things to adapt to in, in the new normal. As a private citizen in Jakarta, it seems as if people are observant, but then I watched the news saying that in Pasar Minggu area or in Tanah Abang, mm-hmm. it's still quite crowded. People are not fully 100% like normal, but it's coming back to normal. Obviously, we've all seen the footage of the markets that are busy again, and some of the malls opened up in different cities, and people just rushed through. So I think people are just feeling so stressed, maybe, that they feel like they need to go back out there and just feel like reclaim some bit of normalcy to what they know previously. But yeah, at what expense is really now moving forward? What expense for the rest of us? Mm -hmm. What's next, Doc? What's next is we adapt. (laughs) What's next is we, uh, as much as we can, um, if we're lucky enough to be able to still work from home, then it's best to still work from home. I know a few of my friends who are in a position in their workplace that allows them to work from home and they will still going forward, even though the PSBB is uh, now going to be lifted, still choosing to work from home. And I know several business owners that can actually shift their employees so that the, they come into the workplace in shifts. So not all the all the amount of people at the same time that helps as well. Personal hygiene protocol, sanitation protocol, and as much as we can, whenever we come home, we protect those that we love. Again, coming into the house, do not touch anything. Throw away the the stuff or that you got from outside as much as you can, so, such as bills and stuff like that. Sanitize as much as you can, bag that you use side, and sanitize shoes, sandals, and don't touch anything. Go straight away to the bathroom, take a shower, and then hug your loved ones. Because it's really difficult if you don't know whether you're a carrier or not. It becomes very easy to just transmit the disease and become the source of infection for your home or uh, at your house, which is what we are trying not to do. All right, you heard it from the doctor, so you all know what to do. And that is, in some, the new normal for us is to be cautious, to be wary, to be clean, clinically clean. There's a lot of guidance out there in terms of how to conduct cleanup protocol coming into a home. So... I'll be sure to include on the link, uh, on the show notes, some of those links uh, because that's important. Yeah, let's hope that the curve flattens soon for Indonesia and and we can reassimilate. Dr. Sophia, thank you again for being on the show. My pleasure. 
All right. Thank you so much, doctor. Thank you so much, Tania. This has been a pleasure. And hopefully this helps uh, clear out certain things that people have oh, yeah. about, you know, worrying the new normal yeah. and stuff like that. Yes. I, I definitely think that you've definitely addressed some of the major key issues of concerns there. Thank you again. Bye, doctor. Bye. Thank you for listening. For more episodes, please check out our archives on dendabatanda.com or wherever you get your podcasts. We love getting your feedback and episode suggestions, which is what this episode was about. Keep sending in your requests. Goodbye for now.